coming up. What an excellent day for monologues. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 89 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so, our minute begins with Chris saying, You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. And it ends with Kinderman seeing someone at that infamous window. But Mm. I would say also... Or something. Duh. <laughs> well, I don't know which is worse, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. As we as we discussed in in previous minutes, right? Like, would you rather have a ghost or a demon, or like mm. an actual person? Like, it's ugh. your daughter. It's I your don't know. Daughter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, something's afoot at the old McNeil house. Something's <laughs> afoot at the old McNeil house. Uh, yeah. Um. I wouldn't go up there if I went. Well, no, but yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> let's extrapolate it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're we're back at the top of this minute, and you'll remember, folks. Chris had just started this monologue, which we all remember is different from a soliloquy. How? Well, you taught me, Professor Clark, that <laughs> a soliloquy is when the character is all by themselves, or maybe it's meant to be in their head or something, but they're not actually addressing a, a different character. And a monologue, like a, a separate from a dialogue, a dialogue is between the two of them, and a monologue is one person one-sidedly talking to them. Yes, yes. So we could even, so, okay, to bring in even even more um, academic uh, mm. uh, verbiage <laughs> in, into here, um, you could say that, uh, that a, a monologue is... Um, diegetic oh yes i think so yes right right because it's happening <laughs> right. in the world right so you know right. uh, mark anthony is talking to all the friends and romans right he's mm-hmm. saying like lend me your ears blah 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 right mm-hmm. um but uh we could say that uh you know hamlet is the you know the to be or not to be soliloquy is yeah. uh you know all in his head so nobody else is you know it's a, 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 a an actor falling in the woods, right? <laughs> oh, but be careful now. There are some readings of the Hamlet speech that say that he is not giving soliloquy. He is giving a monologue because he knows that Claudius is listening. Oh, ooh, clever, clever Billy. I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> Billy Billy Shakespeare, not, not Billy Friedkin or, or right, Billy right. Blatty, right? All these Billys. Is Too that what you got to do? Like, is that the creative gene is just like naming, naming your kid Billy? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah. Yeah. Chris is is a, is a monologue because she's yeah, giving Chris, it to uh, to Karis. Yeah. Yeah. She's 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 monologuing. We caught her monologuing. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. It, it's addressed to it's addressed to Karis, right? Um, mm-hmm. So she's she's continuing this monologue. And yeah, like guys, we joke about monologues, right? Um, but like when I was in high school, we would get these these books of monologues from various plays as part of our like curriculum in acting class. And they were always the same ones, right? They were the most famous ones from each play, right? To be or not to be from Hamlet, Friends Romans from uh, Caesar, you know, Out Damn Spot from Macbeth, right? Like he was a boy, just a boy from Streetcar, right? Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Why am I trying to become what, what? I don't want to be? No, wh- wait a second. Wait what, a second. What, from, what? from Streetcar, I'm gay, Lester. I need to do the monologue oh, oh, <laughs> from <laughs> Streetcar. Oh my, you can't just go past. See, well, I love someone too. And the person I loved, I lost. He was a boy, just a boy. When I was a very young girl, when I was 16, I made the discovery. Love all at once and much, much too completely. Yes, Lester, we can't go by these things. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I had to move away from the mic to do that. Because there's such a rapturous applause yes, for me. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 you can't mention a, a streetcar monologue. 
to a gay man of my generation or, or older and <laughs> just continue on like nothing's happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was wonderful. That was there's an, an, an excellent rendition, Keenan. I don't um, want realism. I want magic. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone ever tell you you look like a prince out of the Arabian Nights, oh. boy, young boy? <laughs> mm. It's it's like I'm watching the movie right now. <laughs> yes, I'm your host, Lester Ryan Clark, and I'm Blanche Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> can we just can we just have can we just have her doing like all of the exorcist lines that would that would be great <laughs> i would i would be absolutely fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> me and mrs k we get all the best passes to all the best movies <laughs> father young father <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone ever tell you you look like john garfield <laughs> <laughs> They're the same movie. <laughs> Boom, <laughs> folks. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we've 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 closed this circle now. Reagan, hey Reagan. <laughs> Karis just got his, his his shirt ripped. He's, he's outside right. in the rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he got his shirt uh, puked on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> No, no. And then she and then she appears at the window. Oh, hey, kind of like. <laughs> there we go. We brought it back. <laughs> but yeah, I'm bringing these monologues up, folks, these famous monologues, because they were the ones that we saw again and again in these uh, collections of, you know, young men's monologues or young women's monologues, these little paperbacks that um, you would get at the bookstore or at the um, at the school library or something like that when you were uh, preparing for your like audition class or something like that. Right. It was a hit parade of all the 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 top monologues, all the most famous monologues. But that also meant that in those acting classes that I took, they would appear again and again in the auditions, right? So the teachers or the directors would see them again and again and again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for good reason. They're, they're beautifully written, so they would always be appearing in all of these books. But because of that, um, our teachers would say that if you're going for an audition, don't do that one. Do something else that they haven't seen before. So, for example, if you're auditioning for Lady Macbeth, don't do uh, Out Damn Spot because they've seen that one a billion times, right? That's one of the ones that appears in those, those monologue books, right? Sometimes you're not even allowed to do something from the play. It has to be thematically adjacent to the part that you want. So mm-hmm. you might choose something from another play, another time period that reminds them of Lady Macbeth. And I guess, okay, well, we've been teetering on the edge, so here we go. We're in the Shakespeare trap now. So, uh, Hello, so, Shakespeare trap, my old friend. Yes, right? <laughs> Every time I doth think that I am out, he doth pull <laughs> me back in. <laughs> So, uh, for example, like if if I was auditioning for uh, Iago, I would come in there with a man walks into the. <laughs> no, 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 no. Iago from Othello. <laughs> 
right? Right. So they got auditions for Othello, and I'm going in for Iago, right? But unless they specifically ask for it, I'm not going to do an Iago monologue, right? And a lot of times, anyway, they want you to do two monologues, right? A dramatic one and a comedic one, just to see your chops. So if I'm aiming for Iago, I'll do... um. Now is the winter of our discontent from Richard III, right? Where he he's like, I'm the bad guy of this story and I'm going to let you know uh, uh, my plan. Mm-hmm. And then I'll mix it with a comedic monologue from Much Ado About Nothing, where, where Benedict is uh, justifying his feelings for Beatrice. And he's also commenting on how silly the rules of uh, uh, courtship are, right? Mm-hmm. And those two monologues will show off your range. And if you combine them, it sort of gives you an iago flavor, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, what is the uh, Iago-y oh, this flavor? fondue is all Iago-y. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Um, it's whatever the opposite of umami is in a bad way. Is Iago-y. <laughs> <laughs> How's your burger? Oh, it's it's very Iago-y. Yeah, did it's they very... did, did they not cook it? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. They've did done they... whatever the opposite of cooking is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've done it. <laughs> they just they just uh, let it sit out on the counter and monologued to it. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah, like they tried to revive it with like the crash paddles, knowing it was <laughs> it was not going to work. But they did that for twenty minutes and then finished it in the oven. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. Okay. I think I think we're good here. Out, oh, damn Shakespeare. All right. Okay. So. <laughs> All that to say, um, if there ever was a monologue to, uh, you know, that to go into those little like paperback collections of best dramatic monologues from movies mm-hmm. th- for The Exorcist, this would be one of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. This would be the Chris McNeil monologue. So if you're, it's like, hi, my name is Lester Clark, and I'm auditioning for Chris McNeil. That like the director already knows which monologue you're going to do. It's going to be this one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I we said in the last minute, I think, uh, I believe so, <laughs> that that this is where um, you know Chris being an actor starts to come to fore, right? Is she is mm. she doing this as a monologue? Like, like, yes, I believe her that she's doing it because she really has these feelings, but she's also like, you know, bringing her um, her acting chops, right? Yeah. To convince him. Yes, exactly, right? So she has that, she has that extra kind of like Chris McNeil power that she can, you know, the, the you know, the power of her voice, the power of her, um, or her performance, right? And mm-hmm, she can use right. that, she can use that power, um, you know, in, in the real world as well, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, isn't that just so meta, right? It's like, <laughs> we got an actor who's playing an actor, <laughs> who's 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 doing a performance but it's like it's it's in the reality of the scene right oh yeah yeah Oh my gosh. That's the um, power of acting, baby. The power of acting compels you. <laughs> we hope that it compels Karis, right? That's, that's our hope, yeah. right? Okay, it, this is actually fun. Like, mm-hmm. Keenan, what would be the other monologues in uh-huh. this movie, right? So as you get that you get that little paperback book, right? You go to the school library, you get, you know, it's like, oh man, I need, to, I, I'm auditioning for, you know, a, a, a show, uh, the, the school play tomorrow, and I need, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, men's dramatic monologues or, or, or uh, women's dramatic monologues, right? And, mm-hmm. and and I know The Exorcist, so yeah. So who for each character, who what would their monologues be? Oh, geez, that's really interesting. Mm. Like, like Karis's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he does monologues, right? He he says right. he, he like we're talking about nothing, and then he's like, I think I've lost my faith, Tom. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, does he have a monologue here? It's it's hard for like I'm I'm thinking about it now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got Chris, we got Chris nailed down, right? She's right. Uh, she's this one right here, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I'm Kinderman. Say, Kinderman has a bunch of fun ones. Yeah, 
right? Um, He's like, do you like movies, of, father? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's part of the choice. So when I was in high school, I didn't know any better that you're supposed to just pick the monologues that are already written as plays as monologues. So the monologue I developed for my audition piece was from Death of a Salesman as Happy hmm. Loman, but hmm. I, I adapted it, which I didn't know you were allowed, oh. you weren't supposed to do. <laughs> so I, so it's it's a speech that it's not a speech. He's talking to his brother um, mm-hmm. Biff, and I took out Biff's lines, and then I adapted it. You know, which you're ah. not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to change the work of the master. So I'm sorry, Arthur Miller and yep. um, and Rebecca Miller and mm-hmm. uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize to all of you. Yep, yeah, yep. but I, I changed it all, which I didn't know. But mm-hmm. yeah, but if you did that with Kinderman and took out some of the um, the back and forth with uh, Karis, it would still be really good monologues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. So so Karis would be yeah. That's the trouble with with uh, this movie is like aside from like this part right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot of like like just one person talking, right? Yeah, Father Dyer has one, but it doesn't necessarily have an arc to it. Mm, it right. is a monologue that you would want for your speech where he's talking about his ideal version of heaven. But right. it's a good, it's a good piece. Um, it would show you, but but you'd have to you'd have to really like go in and break it and like try to like cry at the end mm-hmm, <laughs> of his speech mm-hmm. about him. And they'd all be looking at me, the headliner, and every night, every yeah. night. Oh God, every night they would come for me. <laughs> See, they would ha- yeah, they would have to they would and, and that's the that's the difference between, you know, like like uh, films and plays, folks. Mm-hmm, we would right. we would take dyers and we oh, oh, they would be the perfect place. Keenan, mm-hmm. so it would be a callback to his idea of heaven when he's giving Damien his last rites down. It's like, <laughs> it's like it, it starts with, it's like, are you sorry for all the sins? You know, and then he's like, you know, I'll see you soon, Dimmy. I'll be up there too. I'll be up there and it'll be, it'll be a, a, a solid white nightclub <laughs> and I'll be playing and you'll be there with me. Right, exactly. We'll be the headliners every night. Yeah. But but <laughs> sad folks, not comedic like we're doing. <laughs> right, right, right. They would get they'd get a real actor. Right. right. <laughs> not us, not us, chuckle yeah. They get someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's dire. Um I think I think Marin would mm-hmm. be that that thing on the stairs. Yeah, that's right? good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about yeah, talking it's like why this girl, right? And mm-hmm. he's, he gives his answer. Um um, or it could also be, um, I mean, just the exorcism itself. Oh, right? yeah. Well, you you wa- could, yeah, you could do anything as a moral, like if you're good enough. Right, right. Kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Folks. Um, just read the phone book or read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Reagan um, would be, well, this uh, this uh, tape recorded thing is the longest thing oh, that she's, she's done, right? That's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, the deleted one. Why, why, uh, uh, mom, why do, why do people have to die? Mm-hmm. Mm, I think that would be a good one, right? Or or something with Captain Howdy, right? Yes. If I were if I were auditioning for Reagan, I would do Captain Howdy and not yeah, Reagan. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So it would, and and you would uh, conceivably like if we're doing this like a stage production, mm-hmm. the person playing Reagan would be the person playing Captain Howdy. Right? Oh, of course. So you'd need an actor. You need an actor who's like you know, like got some got some good range there. Yeah. Um, a real Linda Blair. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd need someone like oh I don't know Linda Blair. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. You could do the horseman, of course, who's only <laughs> only exists in our version of the yeah. Exorcist. <laughs> TVWTH, the version right. with the horseman. Yeah, the version with the horseman. How many how many versions do we have now? The version we're writing in our head, the version right. we've never seen, the version with the horseman. <laughs> but Which that that's the one we're writing in our head yeah. anyway, but yeah. right. <laughs> but that could be riveting on stage to have oh, a horseman. Absolutely here. riveting, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be oh, what's an adjective with horses? Uh Equine. It would be equine. It would be. <laughs> oh my, my 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 heart would be galloping the whole time. <laughs> I'd be. You know what? The audience. You know they they they'd be chomping at the bit. 
All right, all right. All right. It's the, the, the dumb pun. <laughs> Otherwise known as the Exorcist Minute with Lester yeah. and Keenan. <laughs> But yeah, okay, so back to this minute uh, in this universe where we have The Exorcist, the movie. And no um, horse man. And no horse man. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, it, we got Chris and Ellen Burstyn given their all in this mm-hmm. monologue here, right? Like, you tell me that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. And rather than focusing on her face, we are locked on Karis's expression. And usually, Keenan, this is a technique I love, right? Like showing mm-hmm. us the reaction of something as a, a sort of a hint to how we should feel. But here, we're seeing Karis and his reaction doesn't really match with how I want to feel right mm. now. That's like Chris, yeah, well, yeah, Chris is right. But he's given us, he's given her this look like she's crazy. Yes. So, uh-huh. so is this not that technique that I just mentioned? Are, are we not supposed to mirror Karis's reaction here? Like, I'm just thinking, like, if this were that type of scene, he'd be like, oh my God, I see the light of God in her or, mm-hmm. or the power of a mother's love. And, and he's like awestruck. But instead, mm-hmm. he's looking, looking at her like she's crazy. So so maybe yeah. this isn't the type of shot. Like, what do you think? Well, it's complicated. Mm. <laughs> I mean, she, she uh, he, his job is to listen to people. That's what he does for a living. Mm. And he's trying his best. But what she's saying is crazy. It is cuckoo bananas, as we say on this show, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I think it is smart because we we have to we're going to have to convince Karis all over again. He's going to go away yeah. and then he's well actually he's going to have to convince himself, right? He's going right. to listen to tapes and things. So yeah. so so yes, she gets to say her bit, but this isn't the scene where where she convinces him. Mm. It's actually a scene where she loses. She doesn't get to um you know, maybe they're still on the same team, but he's not sure that he likes his uh, scene partner. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Wow. I think yeah, I think we have two different readings here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, like, so we end back on Chris, back on Ellen mm-hmm. Burstyn, and she strikes the table to emphasize her words. Right. And mm-hmm. and I want to talk about this because, as fierce as she is in this moment, mm-hmm. that little pound on the desk reminded me of the striking of the wall way back when we discovered that Burke was dead. Uh-huh. Hi, Burke. <laughs> we're expecting it to be this big like boom right to match mm-hmm. her, to match her emotions right but once again it seems kind of muted right a- especially after we've already seen captain howdy and we'll see it even more later banging the walls and mm-hmm. causing the doors and the ceiling to crack right just making these really big booms and here's chris with her frail little human body and this is all she can do right uh but I, like i really think that this has the opposite effect here because we hear that little uh, bonk right uh <laughs> that she Come, gives the table kabong <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's the physical but then we look up and mm-hmm. we're like oh shit right like captain howdy better watch out right because we we look at like actually like how chris is standing and 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 like what a perfect visual we got here folks because mm-hmm. we got we got karis in one corner right in near total darkness right looking up to the heavens and mm-hmm. then directly across from him we got that uh, that dumb bird, right? Which uh-huh. we said before looks a lot like Pazuzu, right? <laughs> and and he's squared off with Karis, right? In this threatening pose, right? Like, right. nah, I'm, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a scary demon, man, right? <laughs> but you're really a dumb bird. Yeah, but behind him, <laughs> mm-hmm. towering, 
is the spirit of Chris, right? The resolve and the determination of Chris, of mom, right? And and both of them, like Pazuzu and Karis, are dwarfed by that, by 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 her, right? And I I, I really, really like that. Yeah, but but again, it is complicated. Like like we have these powerful outbursts of emotion by Chris, but she's not mm-hmm. necessarily being heard. Mm-hmm. Still, that that's a recurring idea. So maybe she has the closest she's ever gotten with uh, with Karis, but mm-hmm. still, um, you know. So we're doing things to give not mixed messages, which isn't my point, but um, mm-hmm. like like mixed emphases. So mm-hmm. like you and all the film where I teach, we say that like the director or the writer, whoever's in charge of whatever. Um, part of the filmmaking process we're in is mm. emphasizing or de-emphasizing things. Mm, okay. So we, so, you know, like a close up emphasizes the feelings of the character right. and a wide shot emphasizes the relationship with the space. And so mm. when you're in a close up, you still have the space, right? But you mm. have de-emphasized and it's not the most important thing there. The oh. most important thing is the actor and then the subtext. Oh. Um, so, you know, so we have mixtures here. So we have, yes, this highly emphasized performance by Ellen Burstyn, which as you say, is incredibly strong. And, mm. um, and again, I, I, I like it and not diminishing it at all. But part of what Friedkin and Owen Reisman and the editors are doing is to diminish it a little bit. They are giving us mixed um, mixed emphases here. So, mm. yes, we're allowing Alan Burstyn to give the kind of performance that if it were a close up mm-hmm. on her would probably convince us. But since the close up isn't on her, it's on Damien. Oh. And Jason Miller is giving a performance where he's just not quite right. Not where he's saying no or yes. Mm-hmm. He's just not quite sure. Right. Yeah. Is she insane? Mm. Um, then, you know, it it has some cross wires for us. And we're like, yes, it is strong. I want to believe. But mm. at the same time, yeah, it's not that time yet. I like that. So it's kind of putting us in Karis's position here. It's like, yeah. Oh, wow. I think so. Like, yeah, we're looking at this and, it, you know, it's really it is really strong. But am I am I moved by it? Right. Did you convince me? Mm. It's oh, almost I impossible really like to that. convince. I mean, yeah. Anyways, he's going to take some time. He has to go think about it by himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That is, that is. I didn't even think of that interpretation. Thank you, Keenan. Because if this were the scene where it, she convinces Karis, then yeah, it might be close-ups of her, right? Or Right. And then, I mean, like, like then we would have a hard cut to, you know, Tom Birmingham and is like, so who do you want to get to? The yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. We, we would we wouldn't need the other stuff in between it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, OK, she convinced us and she convinced yep. him. So, yeah. What's the rest of these? Scenes well, there we about? go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. What else are we doing here? Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, to to add to that, we mm-hmm. don't get a resolution of this scene. Right. Like that was the resolution was was Chris saying like once and for all, like, no, this is how this movie is going to go from here. Right. Right. But, mm-hmm. but Damien isn't necessarily convinced just yet Mm -hmm. yeah so let's let's think about it you know where we do have some scenes with klein and tanny Mm -hmm. um not being convinced by chris and in Mm -hmm. in their scenes where they are they're um you know they're looking at their radiology reports or whatever they are and looking at Mm -hmm. them and they're like "Hmm, that doesn't make any sense but they're but they don't they don't have what's going to happen with damien's scene coming up where where they're like hmm that doesn't make any sense and Chris is right, right? Like I've listened, mm. I've, I've considered because they're not really considering what she has to say, right? <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, right. And again, right, just just goes to show us, folks, that that Damien is the right guy for the job, right. Uh, the right the right person for the job, uh, just because, like, like his his lack of conviction mm-hmm. makes it easier for him to to be open to possibilities, right? Oh, it's, that's it, interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, like, juxtaposition of, of like, you would think that, I don't know, like, we were talking before about, like, oh, you know, what if what if she went to Father Dyer and Father Dyer was all about, it's like, hey, yeah, let's go, you know, do this exorcism thing. Like, I feel like because Father Dyer, and, yeah, let's just, like, throw all the other priests in there, right? Like, mm-hmm. Father Dyer, Father Birmingham, Father, you know, it's like all, all those other uh, guys. I feel like if she went to them, they have already decided like maybe their faith is 
<clears throat> like strong is such a weird word, right? But mm-hmm. m- l- let's say more cemented, more established, less mm-hmm. permeable, right? So you go up to, you know, Father Dyer, you go up to Father Birmingham and say, hey, I think my my little girl is possessed by, you know, the devil, a devil. They would be like, mm, yeah, well, you know, let's let's take her to a psychiatrist first, right? It's right. like, you know, mm-hmm. many educated Catholics don't believe in the devil, you know, mm-hmm. that, that whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they're more firmly entrenched in that. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah. Damien is wondering. He's lost, right? So he's he's a little bit more open to, it's like, well, maybe there is. You're like, there's either nothing mm-hmm. or there is a God or maybe there's a devil, you know, like he's, he's, he's more open than uh, the others, I think. That's a really, really interesting point, right? So all these things that place him to be the hero, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, you know, not every screenplay has this, but it's the ideal sort of, if you have this, it's like, oh yeah, that's money <laughs> where this main character has flaws, but then it turns out that those flaws are his strengths, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, but yeah. you know, not everyone has it. Yeah, good luck, aspiring screenwriters. It's very yeah. hard to pull off, but yeah. So he, yeah, his grief is what I was thinking about that puts mm. him in the right place. But yeah, I like what you're saying as well. I mean, they're tied together, right? His grief is his, um, his grief is, is fueling his uh, his skepticism and, and his uh, agnosticism, et cetera, right? Like, mm-hmm. So all of those are connected, but um, but yeah, those are what makes him the right person for the job. Yes. Actually, yeah, Keenan, that reminds me. Um, it, it, it does happen right around here in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really great uh, um, f- uh, couple of sentences um, where uh, Chris and Karis are talking and um, – he, uh, you know, he tries to assure her and, uh, uh, she looks up at him. And, uh, so the book says she lifted a helpless, tormented face to the strong, sad eyes, mm-hmm. saw strength, saw pain. She trusted the pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I think that's because that's the, you know, in this Venn diagram, in this venomous diagram, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing that, you know, that links them together is this grief, is this, is this loss, is this, uh, wondering what is out there, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so, not only is that the thing that that um, that that makes them see each other and understand each other, but that's going to be the thing I think that's gonna that's gonna uh, uh, bring them out, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that you know these other folks, uh, you know, Father Dyer, Father uh, uh, Birmingham, these other you know these other faithful priests, maybe maybe don't have, or oh, well, we don't know their stories, but like right. like for this story, they don't they don't have the tools, right? right. Um, we we think it's a, a you know a flaw, but it's actually a tool. Yeah. Right. I love that. Um, so we cut. From there, and now we're back outside. Karis comes out the door, and he looks so tired. His eyes aren't even open here, and he eventually starts down those steps, and his eyes are lost in shadow. Chris appears now at the door. She's all wrapped up in a robe, holding herself to keep warm, and also still holding herself together. Um, And what a sad, like... (sighs) There's nobody to hold you and and keep you from falling apart, so you got to do it yourself, mm-hmm. right? And she's been doing that this whole movie, right? But every time you see it, you're you're like, ah, somebody give this lady a hug. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? Because that's like she's that's what she's doing. She's she's hugging herself, right? Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out how many layers Damien is wearing because Chris right. is Chris has a, so Reagan has puked on his top two layers, his blue right. outer Georgetown jacket, his gray mm-hmm. sweater underneath it, and that's why mm-hmm. in the basement he's wearing a green button-up shirt with a white t-shirt underneath it and so nice. she's cold is my point like he's yep, yep. he's dressed to to go out there and, and jog around yeah and she's freezing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah um but yeah so karis looks back up at her and there's this beat where chris just gives him this look of pain and also gratitude because well hmm 
I don't know. Uh, are, are we supposed to understand that he has agreed to help her? I think so. Right. I, okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't uh, to, to go back to what I was saying. I don't know if, if, if he has agreed with her what's going on, but I think he's yeah, right. he's going to come back. He's going to he's not going to leave. OK. All right. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. Like, because yeah. in in the book, he makes it clear that whatever this thing is, mm-hmm. right, if it's possession or psychosis, like right. he's going to stay with her and help her until it's resolved. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was worried that I was like drawing stuff from the book. No, no. Um, I think that's, that's not... definitely happening here. Yeah. OK. All right. Because yeah. that's because that's one of the 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 reasons I, I love this character so much mm-hmm. um, is is him being like, I'm not going anywhere, right? right. Whatever it is, I'm going to help you, right? Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, good, good. So uh, before he heads out, uh, he has to ask this question. He has to ask it. He says, did Reagan know a priest was coming over? Mm-hmm. There's this pause and it looks like Chris is realizing what he's implying. And, and then she says, no. We cut back to Karis, looking down and inward again. And really quickly, he asks a second question. Did you know that my mother died recently? And we can see how much just asking that question hurts. A pause. Yes, I did. I'm very sorry. But almost before she's finished, Karis is asking another question. This is the question. Is Reagan aware of it? And here, again, he looks up and into eyes. This scene is heartbreaking. You can see how hard it is for him to talk about his mother to the point where he essentially breaks up one question into three, right? Like, like, see what, see what he did there, right? To make it less painful, right? He made sure that Reagan and his mother never appear in the same sentence, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, did Reagan know a priest was coming over? That's about Reagan, right? I'm here to help Reagan. Did you know that my mother died recently, right? That's the painful part, right? Completely separate. And then, is Reagan aware of it? Not, is Reagan aware that my mother died? Mm -hmm. Just, is Reagan aware of it? That, to me, is so real. Whenever we talk about loss or tragedy, it's like we don't even like naming it, right? We were talking before about like evoking, right? Mm -hmm. Like specifically, unless it's surrounded by the proper uh, solemnity and respect. So did you know that my mother died recently? It's like, okay, he can say it once and it's solemn and we're talking about death and Chris's response is appropriate then, right? It's like, yes, I did. I'm very sorry, right? That's what you say to that question. But that's not the question he wanted to ask. He doesn't want to talk about this at all, right? Mm -hmm. If he can help it, but he has to know, is Reagan aware of it? And so he has to break that question up. He's like, it's like, no, is Reagan aware of that thing I just said, don't make me say it again. Mm-hmm. And because this is the thing he really wants to know, again, he doesn't care if Chris knows that his mom has passed, right? The only reason he's asking is he wants to know if Reagan knows. Right. And so for this last question, he looks Chris full in the face, like which can read a couple of ways. I can see him being like, look, this is important for helping your daughter. I won't be mad. This is actually key. This is essential. Help me help you. Or he's pleading like, this teasing has gone too far now. Mm-hmm. Like, did did you really bring me here and prep your daughter by telling her that my mother died? Like, is this the worst practical joke in the world? <laughs> oh, right? I, that hadn't occurred to me. That's terrible. <laughs> but like, but that's that's where his mind would go. He's mm-hmm. like, because the other option is that that's the devil, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And and so like at that point, Keenan, like, 
which would you rather have? Right. We, we talked before on, on the show about like sometimes the existence of the supernatural can almost be comforting. Like, mm-hmm. like there really is something bigger going on here, right? Like that's the grand plan. There are right. rules. And, and certainly in later scenes in the book, Karis gets hopeful. There's this beautiful scene like right after one of his other visits with Reagan where like he's witnessed something, something miraculous. And he goes back to the church and he says the communion and he's holding up a wafer and he's, and he's looking at it as, as, as if for the first time again, he's like, this, this could be real, right? Mm-hmm. As for right now, this is the first time he's seen her. I think he's still in doubt, uh, but this thing with his mother definitely has him shook. Mm-hmm. And like, and he's trying to get all the facts from Chris, right? Like, let's make sure we're all on the same page and I know all the details. And this one little detail, like he has to know, like painful as it is, like does Reagan know about my mother, mm-hmm. right? Like, did did you tell her, like, to to sort of I don't know what what you know like grand you know charade you're doing right uh-huh. um but yeah so I, that, that's the only other you know possibility right yeah yeah um and so chris replies not at all and the way she says it and shakes her head it feels like she has no idea what he's implying right mm-hmm. like that doesn't e- that doesn't even enter her mind thank god um like did you get that keenan like like her first answer is like no no father i didn't tell her a priest was coming right you know it's like i i know i know what you're getting at well right? but she's she's thought about that right because she's been warned of um psychosomatically incepting her daughter with these ideas of religion right precisely so she's already been thinking about that uh this yeah. other stuff she's, she hasn't been thinking about and i think even when he asked her did you know my mother died i think mm-hmm. i think that that is more like Hey, did you like last she's reading it? Hey, that I'm sorry, I'm I've, I've been weird. I don't know if you heard my mother died, right? Oh, because you know, okay. otherwise, why, why else does she think it's happening? And then maybe it's even like, um, oh, yes, I forgot to say, hey, I'm sorry, your mother died because I did know that, right? right like, you're supposed right. to say, hey, um, you know, my condolences, yeah, yeah, right? So, yeah, so she she completely, um, she yeah she's she's a little bit um confused as to why right. he's asking that so like this one is like like no reagan doesn't know about your mom why do you ask right mm-hmm. like she completely she completely missed the implication right. right and i think that's good right i think if she answered no the first way mm-hmm. i think karis <laughs> would still be a little bit more suspicious right <laughs> right but she's genuinely confused here which now genuinely confuses karis mm-hmm. right so again he looks down looks inward right this this just doesn't make any sense he's thinking Unless, but then Chris follows up with, why do you ask? And Karis is like, yeah, why did I ask that? <laughs> right? Like he's not, he's not sure he wants an answer. And so after a pause, he decides it's not important. Good night. Mm-hmm. Right. He looks up at her one more time and then he turns to leave and we follow him down the driveway and out uh, the front gate looking so much like Blatty first described him, right? A lonely black cloud in search of the rain. Mm -hmm. We then get a shot of Chris still looking after him, and her eyes are big here, right? It's it's not the expression of tired despair that I was expecting. Keenan, like, like what is going on here in her face? Like, what is she thinking? Yeah, it's pretty unnerved. It must be unnerved from this conversation, which is... um you know, a pretty high bar to set based on what, everything else she's seen. Yeah. But yeah, this this weird questioning of him, him, this awkward exchange that he has with her here mm-hmm. bothers her enough that she like is like, oh god, well that's gonna I'm gonna be thinking about that all night instead of yeah. you know yesterday what my what my daughter did to me. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna think of. So if you're ever out there, listeners, and you're like, oh, people don't remember these awkward things I said ten years ago. Oh, oh no, yeah. mm-hmm. Chris remembers. Right. Yep, 
Chris Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that thing that weird priest said to you at the bottom of those steps? (laughs) Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what she did, your content daughter? (laughs) Pepperidge Farm knows. (laughs) Pepperidge Farm remembers. Um, so, so for me, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if the second question is finally like clicking for Chris, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And now she's thinking like, what, what? happened up there? <laughs> like, like, it was like, what, like, what did he see? What did he hear? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think like, just like for Karis, I think both of them are feeling the weight of what could really be going on. And right. we see both of them like processing it in this scene, right? Like she just met this guy. They talked in the park. They argued a little bit in the basement and that's what she knows of him. Mm-hmm. But I think right now she's realizing like, I brought this man of God to go see my daughter and it has affected him. Like she's, she's genuinely like, I don't know with, with him being shook. Mm-hmm. She is shook. <laughs> His his shookness is shaking her. Right. Right. Even though she she lives with Reagan, now she's kind of like, what the hell is up there? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I have a fear of flying, but I have to I do have to fly. And mm-hmm. so then what I had been doing was saying, well, I'm just going to look at the flight attendants, you know, during turbulence. And if they're not oh. worried, then I'm not worried. You know, oh. it's, like, it's like, but then every once in a while you see them go, oh, God, oh, God. And they go, oh, no. <laughs> You're not supposed to look that way. <laughs> Isn't that I, I thought um I thought I read somewhere like like there there's like training that goes on with um mm-hmm. flight attendants and also like pilots and everything like that. When you're up in the air and and shit's going down. Well, no, that's a bad way to say it. Um when when you know uh, uh turbulence is happening mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like I I I I might be wrong. Like like uh um you know um air people uh right in. <laughs> Please, uh, sky people, right in. Sky, sky people <laughs> Please write in and tell us, like, like is is there some kind of like like training um, that you that you go through to kind of like because you're the I don't know like the emotional anchor of the <laughs> yes. of the God anchor is a bad word too um, <laughs> straight to the ground <laughs> <laughs> this plane's going down and you just turn it's like oh my God Uncle Tito you know, this is really funny <laughs> this is really funny yeah. airplane's supposed to be in sky <laughs> yeah. hey. but not this one <laughs> it's a juxtaposition it's a, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like plane underwater and boat in sky. <laughs> and car in house? What? <laughs> yeah, but no, but he yeah, so she's looking at it. She brought him over to calm her down and now he's freaked out. So it's like, oh, exactly. God. That's yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is not this is not what I was expecting. No. Yeah, more of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really like our next shot here. Uh, we're, we're sort of brought into it by way of this blue car that passes in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Karis as he begins crossing the street. And now the camera is following him. It looks like he has something in his left hand. It looks like a, a bag or a sock or one of those wool caps or something. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the sweatshirt? I thought he was wearing the sweatshirt. Oh, he might. Yeah, that makes sense that he uh, he's taking it with him. Mm, maybe, yeah. I think you're um, right. Yeah, because she, yeah. that's what she handed him. Right. Um, now, he, he makes it to the other side of the street, and it's here that another car obscures our view. But this one isn't moving. This one was here the whole time. The whole time! <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding, because we realize that this is Kinderman. 
and that he has probably been parked out here watching the McNeil house this entire time. And the way we are shown this, I also really, really love. It's it's not that we cut to a shot of Kinderman in the car watching mm-hmm. Karis leave, and then, you know, he looks at the house. We are still on Karis, and then Kinderman's car obscures our view in the foreground, and we see that it's him, but even then, we don't see him. We see his reflection in the mirror. So we're still on the shot that was looking at Karis. We've just shifted focus. I, oh, I really love that. Yeah, it's a lot like those railing shots that we've grown to love that we were noticing when we're looking at this, where, yeah, mm. we don't realize that the camera is really behind some foreground element, you know, or, or that. So it's similar here, except that we're also adding a rack focus so that when we get to the mirror, we can pop. There's Kinderman. Yeah. Kinderman's uh, out to watch you. Yep, Kinnerman's gonna get you. He's he gets all the best passes to you. <laughs> do you like do you like crimes, father? <laughs> I see lots of crimes. <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Um, I, see, I see all I see all of you committing your crimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, who's in it? You? <laughs> Anyone ever tell you you look like you committing crimes? <laughs> I was gonna say. Anyone ever tell you you look like a criminal? <laughs> Anyone ever tell you you look guilty? <laughs> oh, I've seen this crime before. I know how it ends with you behind bars. Yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, we can see. Uh, from the mirror that Kinderman has been watching Karis cross the street. Um, his eyes then shift back to the house. And so now the camera goes back to the house, specifically that infamous window mm-hmm. where we see someone or something <gasps> is at that window right now. Mm-hmm. We see the shadowy form of a person behind the curtains. But how can this be? Reagan is tied to the bed and sedated. Perhaps we'll find out in the next minute. But for now, that is all my notes. Keenan, is there anything else we missed? No, I think we got it. All right. Folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz. And you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram as Howdy Keenan. Yeah. We got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join and we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has uh, shared the show by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to our show. Uh, We really appreciate it. It's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. And speaking of growing and finding more cool people. Uh, We are now uh, a member of the True Story Network. That's T-R-U-Story.fm. So please go check them out and all their other uh, really, really cool podcasts. Um, But yeah, Keenan, I think that is it. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the power of Blanche Dubois compels you. He promised me a five-star review, but then I turned. (laughs) I was unlucky, deluded. How could I have trusted him? I laid my heart in his hands, and he smashed it. Oh. Oh, how he smashed it. (laughs) There was something different about the boy. A nervousness, a softness, and tenderness wasn't like a man's, although he wasn't the least bit effeminate looking. (laughs) Still, that thing was there. He came out to me for help. I didn't know that. I didn't find anyone out until (laughs) then.
You got to stop me. <laughs> no. I'll go all day. No, that, that, that's this, what I want. I'll make this four minute monologue uh, two and a half hours long if you let me. <laughs> all right. And, and anybody, anybody listening after the music, right? This is, this is how you let us know that you, uh, that you stayed until after the music. Go on, leave a five-star review. And in the comments, like when you write the comments, just, just all caps, STELLA! 